Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the amazing pop culture podcast starring Dags and Rez. Today, as always, another powerful episode, and somewhere in cyberspace is DJ Michael Rez. What's up, Dags? What's going on, amazing friends? Anyone knows how to keep dog quiet? Please let me know. Yes, Michael Rez is crazy. Michael Rez is in the doghouse. What'd you do this time? <laughs> um, I could tell you, but then. I'd have to explain it. So yes, you gonna... would. Welcome back, friends. Welcome, new listeners. OGs. Welcome, everyone. If you're new to this podcast, what it is, it's a powerful pop culture podcast. Me and Mike or DJ Rez are going to be talking about some cool stuff today. We are going to be talking about the powerful new movie, Dune, and we're going to be talking about Return of the Living Dead, powerful 80s horror comedy movie, and we got a bunch more stuff to talk about. Mike or Rez, I just want to get into it. We have another powerful movie giveaway. Whoa. Yes, right now we are giving away Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origin. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at Amazing Pop Pod so you can find out details about that powerful giveaway. But a new movie too, Michael Rez. I'm all ears. I can't yes. wait. Powerful Blu-ray copies, Stillwater. Whoa. Yes, Stillwater. 2021 American crime drama film directed by Tom McCarthy and starring the powerful Matt Damon. So make sure you are following us at Amazing Pop Pod on Twitter so you can put your name in the hat and win a powerful copy of this movie. I have a powerful lady friend that's going to tell us a little bit about this powerful movie. From Academy Award winning director Tom McCarthy comes the mesmerizing and emotionally powerful suspense film Stillwater. Starring Academy Award winner Matt Damon, Camille Cotton, and Abigail Breslin, experience the edge of your seat story that critics are calling brilliant. Own Stillwater now on digital and Blu-ray, which includes all new exclusive bonus content not seen in theaters. What'd you think of that description, Michael? It's powerful. It's intriguing. I want to see it even more now, actually. Yes. So, yes. You know, we just keep giving and giving and giving to our friends. And these movies are getting better and better. I don't even know what we're up to, how many copies we've given away. Six, Millions. 60, 70 billion. Million, yeah, easily. Yes. About almost as many Shiba Inu cryptocurrency coins that are out there right now. What's the latest in the crypto world? Oh, my God. I don't know uh, where to begin. It's uh, becoming a dogfight out there, literally. Um, so we had the, the Doge craze that began the year. Um, and there was a, uh, another coin that was created uh, called Shiba Inu. And if people remember, Dogecoin is after a, a Shiba Inu as well. Um, but Shiba Inu token is considered or was coined the dogecoin killer meaning that it was going to someday jump doge 
in market cap. And that happened this week. It jumped at two spots. Uh, so it's number nine in market cap. Doge is number 11. Uh, Shiba Inu went crazy on Wednesday of this week. And then Thursday morning, Doge went crazy. So the, the speculation is people jumped in Shiba Inu when it was going to the moon and then pulled out their profits and then put it into Doge, which is making Doge go up. So the speculation today is that people will be pulling out of Doge and putting it back into Shiba Inu. And they're just going to keep this fight going, this dog fight, if you will, between these two cryptocurrencies. I don't know why these are the the darlings of the retail world, but but they are. And I'm enjoying it because I'm making money. I have an idea. Golden Doodle. Golden Doodle? Everyone loves Golden Doodles. That would be fun. What are you going to call the coin off the top of your uh, head? Doodle coin. Doodle coin. You heard it here first. Powerful new crypto coin, Golden Doodle. Well, <laughs> you know, at the rate they're coming out, it, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes this and, and runs with it, and then we're going to find out Golden Doodle is, is available. Golden Doodle Unleashed. <laughs> it's funny you say that because there is another crypto called Leash. So people are running with this dog theme for some reason. Yes. Are you ready for Halloween, Mike Arez? Um, about as ready as I'll ever be. I'm actually pretty excited. This is the first Halloween I'll be home for not having to go to work in like nine years. What are you going to dress up as? I was thinking something sexy, of course. Uh, it's going to probably have a lot of lace and sheer involved. How about you? I'm going as a slutty podcaster. Why wouldn't you? It's just going to be Sunday then, right? Yes. Sunday. Basically. Bloody Sunday. Powerful show today. Let's get into it, Mike Arez. You saw a powerful Halloween movie. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about that first. Then we're going to get into Dune. Okay. Oh, and before we even get into that, we have powerful new music, Mike or DJ Arez and friends. Whoa. Who is this one from? Somebody we know? Thundar Eric. (laughs) Thunderbolt Pagoda, Worm Rider. Nice. Powerful song, and I'm not kidding. It just rocks. It literally, I'm excited. I, it's, you just want to get into your car and just do something. <laughs> now, now, Thundar Eric is also in Magenta Vice, which is a local synthwave uh, band group here in the Twin Cities. And they will be playing their very first show November 6th at the White Squirrel. Let's get that plug in there for them, too. Powerful song. So it's going to be at the end of the show playing us out. Make sure you stick around and go to thunderboltpagoda.bandcamp.com and buy their album, please. Buy two of their albums. Yes, you're going to love it. Yeah, buy one and give one away to a friend. There you go. You can gift uh, music on there, so do that. The gift of music and the gift of podcast. Wherever you listen to this powerful podcast, please leave a review. Five star, say something nice. We are available everywhere podcasts are found. Also, make sure you follow us, as I said, on Twitter, at AmazingPopPod. We're on Instagram, like our Facebook page. We're everywhere, baby. Yeah, now, if you're from Australia, you can say whatever you want, apparently. Yes. Australia, huge. We're huge (laughs) down under. We are. Growing leaps and bounds in the UK, in Australia, Canada, powerful contiguous united states i don't know what that means contiguous but that's something we're doing powerful show the return of the living dead mike or dj res what can you tell us about that powerful film yeah it was uh 
searching for another movie to watch last week. I ended up watching four movie stags last week. Three of them I streamed. And this was one of them. I can't remember which streaming service I found this on. Doesn't matter. The Return of the Living Dead. It's a 1985 comedy horror film that was written and directed by Dan O'Bannon. And it starred uh, Clue Collier, uh, James Karen, who's been in like B-type movies and some pretty major run movies. He's probably the one that everyone will remember the most. Uh, Tom Matthews was in there. Uh, Don Kalfa was in there as well. Uh, the film tells the story of how a warehouse owner, uh, accompanied by two of his employees, um, and a mortician friend and a group of teenage punks, and they, they really are punks, they really, really played that part up, uh, how they deal with an accidental release of a horrid of unlikable brain-hungry zombies into an unsuspecting town over the 4th of July weekend. Now, basically, these two of their employees, um, Freddie and uh, I think his name's Frank, I believe, um, they go downstairs to the basement of this warehouse where they're storing. It's like a like a science warehouse where they store dead bodies. And yeah, it's like a medical supply, medical supply yeah. warehouse. Right. And they go downstairs and and uh, the one, the older co-worker is showing off, you know, what they got in the basement and how. It was uh, the true the true life story behind uh, Night of the Living Dead or something like that. And he taps the side and, and the gas leaks out and it knocks him cold. And, military. And how, yeah, there's military drums. Right, yeah. And it's got uh, like a dead body in there. Yeah, it's quite the drum fill. Right. And they, they get knocked out and it, it starts spreading. The gas starts spreading and... Anything it touches that's dead, it comes back to life. Reanimates um, them. Right. It's pretty pretty wild when a half a dog comes back to life. <laughs> Poor was, dog dies again. Wasn't a golden doodle. No, it was. I don't even know what kind of dog it would be. I don't even know. Looked like a miniature black lab or something. I don't know. But uh, all it was, I was just crying. It just wanted some loving. So they ended up, uh, there was a body there that was in the, freezer on the first floor then ended up coming back to life and they end up cutting it up and they end up going to the owner of the warehouse's friend who's a mortician who's like across the cemetery because of course there's a cemetery and they try to to burn it in his crematorium and that just makes things worse because then all the steam and the smoke from the body gets up in the air causes acid rain and that rain falls back down on the cemetery and then everybody in the cemetery comes back to life and then all these punk kids get attacked and there's gratuitous nudity, gratuitous gratuity and uh, mortuaries, crematoriums and punks. It's pretty sweet. And there's epic names too: spider, <laughs> trash, Chuck, Casey, scuzz, scuzz and suicide. <laughs> <laughs> spider. <laughs> yeah. And then Frank and Freddie. So there you go. What's your favorite nickname out of all those guys? I like Scuzz. Scuzz yeah, was Scuzz the guy with cool. the car. Yeah, he was the guy with the car that they only called him they needed a ride. <laughs> he had feelings, man. He had <laughs> lots of feelings. Were you that guy in high school, the guy with the car? Yes and no. What was nice about me and my friends, we took turns being the guy with the car. So one week I was the guy with the car, and the next week another guy was. So What were you rolling in back then? Oh, God. 
at first it was a 79 Dodge Omni with uh, fake wood paneling. And uh, it was also had the like a three and a half by two inch speaker in the dashboard, just the one speaker. But then my dad ran a couple of six by nines in the trunk for me. And then after that, I we rolled in a uh, 80, 89 Pontiac Grand Dam five speed with uh, removable moonroof. That was badass. <laughs> that is. So this movie was 1985, right in the heart of the 80s. Right. After the best year ever invented. Yes. But yeah. No, to be fair, any anywhere in the 80s is cool enough for me. <laughs> the late eighties got a little, eh, little grungy, yeah. grungy for me, but early to mid eighties is cool. What's nice about eighties uh, horror movies, like especially like these like B type movies. I don't know if you consider this a B movie, but it it doesn't take itself seriously. It's a C movie. You should see it. Yeah, right. It's and a com- it's a comedy. It's, just, it's, a, it's a comedy yeah, horror it's movie. Gore and just blood everywhere, and it's just over the top, and it's. It's great. I love it. Yeah, the tagline <laughs> tag is, they're back from the grave and ready to party. <laughs> well, even that uh, one skeleton's got a, a mohawk and a leather yes. coat, so he's ready to go. You should rock a mohawk. I don't think I can you, rock you a do, mohawk. You do the it's reverse a, mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call them on the side? Sidehawks? Yeah. Yeah, that's Sounds like a cool, cool 80s movie, Sidehawks. <laughs> so what <laughs> review, Mike Arez, what are you giving this movie out of five Mohawks? Uh, I'm going to give this one a, a four to four and a half, because I think it, I think you should watch it. It's, it's, it's a fun, fun movie, isn't it? It's fun, yeah. It really I mean, is. Don't go into it thinking anything no. serious is going to happen. Just when you're, if you're looking for like something lighthearted, but still horror and, and gr- gory. And great visuals. Right, yeah, exactly. A lot of gratuity. Lots of gratuity. It is just gratuitous gratuity. Had four sequels, but the first one was the best. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll probably watch. I want to watch the second one because for some reason, two of the characters from the first one are in the second one, and I want to know how they did that. So check it out, guys. 1985, The Return of the Living Dead. We're going to do a powerful segue. We originally, back in the day in the 80s, <laughs> we saw. Original, the original Dune, 1984. That's right. We found that lost tape. And that, of course, was written and directed by the powerful David Lynch based on the 1965 novel, Dune. Can you tell us a little bit about the author, Frankie Baby? Frankie Baby. Frank Herbert, or Frank Bear, depending on how fancy you want to get, uh, was born October 8th, 1920. So his birthday was just not too long ago. He was uh, an American science fiction author. He was best known for his Dune novels. And it also had five sequels. Five sequels to this. So we could be in for a ride coming up here. We'll get to that in a little bit. Pun intended. Um, right. right. So he became famous for his novels. He also wrote some short stories. Um, he worked for a newspaper uh, as a journalist. He worked as a photographer, a book reviewer. Uh, he was an ecological consultant. He was a lecturer. Um, he did a lot of work with uh, like environmental issues. He tripped as on, well. He tripped on magic mushrooms. Absolutely, he did. He did have a rocky relationship with his two kids, uh, which is something I found out last night. Um, his job as a newspaper journalist. He actually lied about his age to get that job. 
but it was something we really wanted to do. Uh, the Dune Saga is set in the distant future. Um, he wrote part of the characters, uh, like the Jesuits part, was because his uh, he was kind of raised by his mom and like a thousand different aunts, and they were Jesuits. Uh, his dad really didn't want him to be raised that way, but kind of lost his dad lost that battle because his mom had you know, a thousand different sisters. So they raised him as a Jesuit, which is where the religion part and the Jesuit part comes in to the Dune series. Earlier in his life, uh, he was raised in Tacoma, Tacoma, Washington, and uh, he was into uh, photography. Uh, he bought a Kodak box camera. That was his first camera. I don't know if they even make those anymore. Obviously, they don't make the box cameras anymore. I don't know if Kodak still makes cameras anymore. They've been around for such a long time. Have you ever seen a box camera, Diggs? Yes, yes, I have. Of course you have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, back then. It was a, a brand new type of camera. It was a folding camera. I didn't know you could fold the camera open, and it was the first color film camera in the mid 1930s. That is awesome. He served in the U.S. Navy as a, uh, one of the Navy's CBs. For six months as a photographer during World War II, and then he was given a medal, uh, a medical discharge, excuse me, uh, and then he married his first wife, uh, Florna Parkinson, in San Pedro, California, in 1941. They had one daughter, Penelope, uh, and then divorced in 1943, so they had a great two-year marriage. Uh, Herbert subsequently moved to Portland, Oregon, where he reported for the Oregon Journal, and then he also married uh, his second wife as well. Uh, he had two sons. Um, his next wife, I'm trying to see her name. I don't think I can find her name that quick. Um, but they ended up moving, um, or actually ended up, before that happened, ended up becoming friends with a lot of different authors and their wives, uh, science fiction authors, including Isaac Asimov. Can you imagine having him at your house, Dags, for like dinner? Yeah, that would be a sweet dinner party. Get those nerds! 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 They're going to be tripping some balls. There. Yeah, just a little, <laughs> little nicotine, a little caffeine. Yeah, right. And so they ended up doing that, hanging out, writing books. Uh, his second wife ended up working full-time as a... Uh, I think a marketing uh, agent or some, something to do with marketing. Um, so he could write full time um, and he was doing pretty good uh, with his writing and all of his uh, novels. Uh, Dune ends up getting picked up to become a movie um, while this is all going on. And his wife also ends up uh, getting diagnosed with inoperable breast cancer. I believe it was cancer of some sort. And she ends up living for 10 years after the, her diagnosis. So she, she, was, uh, she hung on pretty, pretty long. She was a, a tough cookie, as you will. But yeah, Dune is what uh, changed his life. He was doing pretty good as, a, as an author, but uh, when it got picked up uh, for the movie, um, he was able to, uh, to do a lot uh, as far as like bringing some ecological or environmental issues to the forefront. Plus, people were dissecting Dune because that's what people do and he ended up having to defend himself quite a bit about whether or not he was starting a cult or if this was dune was pro cult or against cults or was it about a cult leader it just seemed kind of kind of weird that people would try to 
break it down that far, but he had to like continuously go on to into interviews and defend the fact that it was not about starting a cult or him being pro cult, but there were some cult type uh, themes in Dune, which he did say that that was part of part of the Dune story. Yeah, it was a, part of, yeah, it was a cool mix of a lot of stuff. I mean, he was inspired by the Oregon Dunes in Oregon, believe it or not sand dunes that's what inspired them also like lawrence of arabia that whole thing going on there with the uprising a lot of influences and one of the interviews i saw that he did he was talking about the religious part of it and you know he was saying how religion always puts like one person as like the leader and messiah yeah yeah like a messiah and then with dune you know he purposely like wanted to make them you know bring like make this messiah human you know and what happens what do humans do they make mistakes and you know what happens if people start following a human messiah and then things start may or may not work out then also like i was talking about mushrooms and you know and the spice yeah (laughs) so balls yeah i mean he was into that the effects altering your consciousness with chemicals right that's another big part of it and let's face it, Dune, if you break it down, Dune is just about which government's controlling mushrooms. There's a lot of, you know, um, things, <laughs> parallels you can think about. So let's right. get into the actual <laughs> film here. Dune, the new one, the re- would you call this a remake or a re-adaptation? I mean, like the original <laughs> one was 1984. If you compare the two movies, um, a lot of the characters that are in the first movie don't do a lot in this movie but I think that's going to change. Yeah, because this is a part one, and the other one was, you know, the whole story. So, of course, they got to drag it out. And there, yeah, was, there it, was all this talk about, well, this is the new Star Wars. Like, no, it, you want it to be the new Star Wars. Right. I you don't know? think it's going to be. It's, you know? it's, it's a totally different type of story, type of science fiction. It's not the same. So get into the plot a little bit about the different houses. Oh, God, there's so many houses. Yeah. Uh, house Atreides is the main house. That's Paul Atreides, the main character. That's the house that he belongs to. His father, uh, in uh, the, that's the leader of the house, Duke Leto yes. of House Atreides, uh, is the ruler of the ocean planet uh, Caladan. And he is assigned by the emperor to replace House uh, Hark- is it Harkonnen? I can't what, remember. You know that. what it's weird I'm going to say right now? I mean, it was kind of weird. The 1984 movie, it's Harkonnen. And they said Harkonnen, Harkonnen here. Yeah, that's yeah, they, what I thought. They pronounce things differently. And of course, I didn't read the book, so I can't tell you. <laughs> but it was weird because it was like Harkonnen. <laughs> yeah. And the Beast Raban, and they said, he said like Rabin. Yeah, it's Rabin in this one. It was Raban, so. the Beast, you know, so. Weird. Yeah, and I wonder if that's just them just changing it up just to be a little different. I don't you know, know what, what it is, yeah. Okay. Whatever it is. Remember, it was, uh, anyway. remember, it was like Osama, Usama. Remember they spelled it differently? Right, yeah. yeah. So they're uh, they're chosen to replace uh, House uh, Harkunin as the uh, rulers of Arrakis. Now, Arrakis is the desert planet uh, and the only source of spice that is the... The main thing everyone's at is it, is it a drug? Is it a psychedelic? Who knows? Wait, so didn't, didn't Star Wars have a desert planet too? 
They did have a yeah. desert. All right, island. keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a uh, price. So spice is a substance that extends uh, human vi- vitality and is critical for interstellar travel. Um, and it's just what everybody wants to uh, kind of control. Um, so Leto's uh, he, <laughs> concubine, I call it concubine, kind of his wife, you know, if it was in some states, they would, you would say it was their uh, common law. They had a common law marriage. Lady Jessica, uh, who is an acolyte of uh, Benny Gesserit, who is, uh, what would you call her? Like a, It's like a sisterhood, but it's almost like they're witches, you know? Right, like like the Jesuit sisterhood, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so that's where the Jesuit part comes in. Uh, so Jessica it was uh, did not bear a daughter. She bared uh, Paul Atreides. So she, but she raised him to um, kind of like in the Jesuit way, which is kind of a no-no. Uh, but she did it anyway. Um, so he is trained to uh, was would you say mind read or, or control people based on tone of voice? Yeah, the mystical ways. Yeah. Control uh, the voice. Yeah, that Lady Jessica's uh, obviously can do. So she's training him to be the same way. Uh, when House Atreides arrives on Arrakis, formerly held by uh, Harkunin, uh, House Harkunin, where uh, Idaho, which is an, another character in an advanced party, Idaho is played by uh, Aquaman. Jason, Aquaman, Jason Momomoa. Momosa. Uh, so, yeah. So he and a, and a party were sent there before. Uh, a trade house of trades got there uh to learn about the world and the Furman. He was like a sec- he was like a sexy Han Solo. Right, exactly. Same build, same everything. Uh so the Furman are the uh the people that live Mark on Fr- Mark Furman? Yes. The Freeman. The Freeman. Furman. Furman, Freeman. Uh so what he does is he lives with them for a couple of weeks before the, the sand people. Yeah, the, the the people that are like actually mining the spice, uh, and they come out they they come out at night. Uh, they're way into moisture. They're way into spitting. Uh, they're way into recycling their own spit, uh, which uh, I think is kind of gross. But urine and sweat. Be, yeah, urine, sweat, spit, anything that you that comes off your body in liquid form, they have found a way to recycle it so you can stay hydrated. Star Wars had sand people too, didn't it? <laughs> it did you're right yeah um yeah and after that i mean it just i don't i, I don't want to say chaos ensues because that's not what ha- really happened it's kind of it's a really slow build in this movie um it, it's not boring though i don't want people to think that that this version is boring um but once the action starts picking up then it doesn't really stop so it until the end <laughs> so if you can uh if you can hold on for like the first 45 minutes then i i think you're gonna enjoy this movie i mean the problem uh, was it was part one you know right. so of course they have to set up everything yeah so they they do and there's a lot of characters that uh you have to kind of keep track of but what i i don't know how what you thought of like the scenery dags or anything or the the cinematography and, and the sounds and the music and everything, but I went into this comparing it to the first one, and the first one was pretty good. Um, but it's just, it's you know, that was 1984. This is 2021, 
and they can just do too many different things as far as uh, making things look so much better. Uh, I think the the worms were a little little too much, but I know they want to kind of give you the effect that these worms are just giant man-eating worms that nobody has ever seen the likes of before, but it, I think they were just way too big. I didn't like the worms. I liked the worms in the original 1984. I thought they looked scarier. Yeah, I agree. I think they did too. This they look like uh like eels. You know, like those big sucking eels. Yeah. And also if you're gonna talk about worms and in the sound, I thought the worms should be more frightening sounding. And the you know, the thumper is like in the original the thumper is there should have been a lot more bass. And when the worms are coming, I mean it should be just almost like an earthquake sound. Yeah. I would have been happy with like worms the size of the same worms from Tremor. Tremor, but yes. That's just me. So comparing to the nineteen eighty four film, character wise, Paul Atreides, what did you think of the original and the new one? I think I liked Kyle McLaughlin's portrayal better, but I think they got Timothy Chalamet's age closer to what they were looking for. I think he's like 18 in the book or something like that, isn't he? He's supposed to be like a teenager. Yes. And I think Kyle McLaughlin was just too old to be playing a teenager. Yes. And he didn't he didn't pull that off. But Timothy Chamelay pulls it off better, even though he's like 25 in real life. I wanted to take him to the gym, though. Yeah, that kid needs to put some meat on his bones. Yes. So what did you think of his mother comparing to the 1984 film? Uh, I liked her better. I liked uh, Rebecca. It was a Rebecca Ferguson's portrayal of Lady Jessica better. But I liked his dad in the original better than Oscar Isaac's portrayal of his dad. Yes. I liked the, the witch, the witches in the original one better. I liked the scene where he sticks his hand in, in the box. And it's kind of weird because I didn't read the original story. But in the new one, she holds up like a poison pin to his neck. Yeah. But in the original, she had this cool like fingertip thing. That's right. right. And I like, in the original one, you know, there should have been in this new one more sense of, you know, his hand getting burned off. Yeah, they didn't do a good job of that. I mean, you could tell he was in pain, but it's like pain from what, though? You know, it's just like his hand's in a box. I bet there's, it's a Kodak camera. But uh, what do you, what do you think of the Baron being played by Stellan Skarsgård? So here's the thing with the, with the Baron. The original one, you know, I... (laughs) Like I said, I didn't read the book, so I don't know what the whole thing with all the sores is and the heart plugs and the and the young boys and all that stuff. But yeah. in the in the first one he was almost, you know, comical, you know, the floating fat man. But in right. the, in this one he was kind of scary. Yeah, he is scarier in this one. He's yeah. soaking in oil, like a fat of used car oil or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> I liked I, I liked this new portrayal it was pretty cool. And when he was floating, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Stellan yeah. Skarsgård is a good, good actor. Yeah, he was really scary. He was eating the food, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and right away, you knew the dude was, you know, when he called him a traitor. And no, I definitely liked his portrayal. It was pretty good. Yeah. No. Dave Bautista. So his character is not in this one very much, but I think that's going to change in the one. Well, he wasn't in much in the other one either, though. No, but I think. They got a, I think they were, because they didn't show much of the Baron either, but 
he plays kind of he plays a bigger role in like part two, uh, which I just think they're gonna have those two are gonna play a bigger role in the next one. And then you have uh, Doctor Yoon. Now, what's weird is in the movie in this movie he's speaking Mandarin Chinese, and obviously that must be in the original. But why would he be speaking Chinese? I didn't understand I think that. That may have just been a character change for this movie. I bet just because back then they didn't. Well, I mean, it's based, it's based on the, it's based on the book. So I'm just wondering. Right, but sometimes they, they get a little artistic license and they change something about a character here or there. Yeah, they got to be a little different than, than the original. They got to stand out on their own. Yeah, but this one's supposed to be pretty, uh, true to the original book. I liked it. I didn't, I didn't mind it one bit. I thought I was going to go in there going, ah, this sucked. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Were you uh were you disappointed uh with the ending the way it just ended? Well, here's the thing. We needed worm riding. There's no worm riding. They showed like 10 seconds of it. That's why I'm featuring the powerful <laughs> Thunder <laughs> Thunderbolt Pakota music worm rider. Yeah. Also I, uh, also there's no mentioning of Paul Moadib. Not yet. Moadib. Not yet. Oh, Where's his, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to like when he realizes that his name is a kill word. Yes. Yeah. And, and the most, <laughs> probably the biggest, most important problem with this movie is no sting. No sting. You're right. There is no sting. There's no sting character. Ah, I know it's sting. I don't care if they yeah. invented it for the movie. Every movie should have sting. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite character so josh brolin is in this one and the because of the fact that he didn't change his voice to play thanos in the uh any of the avenger movies when i see him talk or hear him talk all i think of is thanos so his character is just thanos to me in this movie yeah as well. i don't know he's just riding the wave or whatever right what's the deal yeah. with what's the deal with their armor it's completely useless why even have this stuff because it looks cool. No, it doesn't they're look gonna, cool. It looked cooler in the eighties one. They're gonna get a. They're gonna get an Oscar for costume design. Just you wait. Yeah, I li- I uh, still like the original better, but this was good. I was uh, when they ended the movie, and I, I realized they didn't finish the story, and there was gonna be a part two. Because at the end, or as I'm getting closer to the end, I'm going, wait a minute, they got a lot to exactly go. wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like. And so for like a day, I was like, this sucked. that sucked. I didn't like the ending. But then I thought about it. And I remember thinking when uh, the 1980, when I watched the 1984 version, it was, uh, it felt rushed at the end. And so I'm kind of glad they're going to make a part two so they can tell the part two story uh, in more detail. Because there was a lot of things that happened at the end of the first one where you're just like, okay, wait a minute. Wait, how did that, wait a minute, well, what, what's this, you know? Yeah. So I think, I'm, I'm happy that they're going to take their time with part two. In the original, I liked uh, the campiness of it. I liked the the, the kind of cool Art Deco steampunk look to it. Oh, yeah. Especially that last, the final scene in the, in the original. I liked, uh, you know, I liked the spacecrafts. I don't like this stupid little hummingbird one they have now. <laughs> those the dragonfly helicopters yeah, those, <laughs> what those are called? awesome oh god what do they call them i was talking to 
uh, my daughter about Timothy Shamalik. So I was like, what, what's the deal with Timothy Shamalik? Why, do, why does half the internet hate him? And I, I guess they just, you know, because he's just who he is, half the people hate him. But one of the, the internet rumors that was going around about him last week was that uh, he gave half of the NYU uh, college campus uh, chlamydia. What? <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those stupid rumors people start, and that's the one that everyone was spreading because that's the was the most ridiculous one. So I was like, that's that's crazy. You don't like someone, just don't like them. <laughs> Ornithopter. Ah, oh, there you go. Thopter. Mm-hmm. Yes, Thopter. Ornithopter. Yes. We got to get a amazing pot pod ornithopter. <laughs> they used to always have them. I remember in like toy stores, you'd wind up the wings on them. Sure. Yeah, you can still get the like the RC ones. And, you Badass. know, Leonardo da Vinci that uh, that, that crazy the crazy helicopter thing. Uh, yeah, he made one. The guy from the turtles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only, only the best and most sophisticated talk on this yes. podcast. I would like David Lynch to remake it. Yeah, that would be great. It would be weird. A remake of a remake. Now that he's got like access to this technology these days, that'd be fun. What's his name? Didn't do very well. The head dude from the Sand People. Javier Bl- yeah. Bardem. Yeah. Normally he's so good. Uh, yeah, he's got. Yeah, that was a weird portrayal. But yeah, I don't know. There's going to be more of them now that they've been like formally introduced. What do you think of the uh, like the sword fight with the? Well, what's the deal with the swords? I don't remember the worm. Why are they using? Why are they using so many swords? I mean, is that uh, Game of Thrones or? I don't know why everything has to be like martial arts or some weird sword fighting. There wasn't a lot of sword. Was there sword fighting in the arena? I can't remember. No, the only thing I didn't think there was. It's supposed to be more spacey. I wanted more spacey. I wanted more. Lasers, yes, freaking lasers and the wielding way, you know. Right, I don't know, maybe they'll start doing that in the later shows, but yeah, the sword thing and just the way they're you know, that that stupid move they always do. I don't know what the first movie was where you run with the swords and you run past them, you like slide on the ground. Oh. You know, that move, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they always do the I like sh- that move, yeah. I always do that with my sword in my hand, yes. I'm glad Aquaman got killed. Well, spoiler alert! Holy crap! Oh shoot! Sorry, yeah, pay no attention Jesus. to the man behind the microphone. Yeah, well, you know, Dave Batista power bombs him and then jumps off the top rope. He's Raban, rabbit. Yeah, yeah, I like the the floating fat man. He was cool. The Baron. Yeah, we're just gonna change everyone's name. Yeah, yeah, the Baron <laughs> Vladimir. <laughs> Vladimir. They kept saying Vladimir. They didn't say that in the first one. What? Nope. That's, oh, that's it's actually those. in the book. If you read the book, I read the book. Book nerds. Reading so how sucks. about uh, Zendaya? Yeah, her character, that's going to be, uh, well, you knew there was a love interest, but um, I don't mind her as an actress. I don't like the so tube we'll up the nose. It looks like you're uh, in a hospital. I don't. Yeah, like they that. all did, didn't they? Yeah, I, I didn't don't like, like that, that either. But. No, come up with a cool. I'm getting their stomach pumped. Yeah. How about that little hunter seeker? What'd you think of that little mosquito burning a hole in the door? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to trying to re, uh, it was like, is it like a slow motion? You know what's going on? It just was moving so slow, and then all of a sudden it was like sped up, and he caught it, and it was like it must have been 
slow motion or he was able to slow it. I don't, I don't know that part, but yeah, that was little hunter seekers. You know who had little hunter seekers like that? Um, Star Wars? Transformer. Transformers. Oh, remember Star Wars with the little... <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Wow. Princess you know, for Leia. a movie that has nothing to do with Star Wars, <laughs> it's got a lot of parallels to Star Wars. Yes. Star Wars ripped off. There you go. It had to. Powerful. It came out first. Yes. 1965, the book came out. Yeah. Well, actually, George Lucas based his, <laughs> <laughs> he based his on a, a ancient Sanskrit. That's what I hate. Like, Star Wars, they always come up with stuff after the fact. Like, come on, he didn't think up that shit. You just added that later. No, 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 he he thought of it. Yeah, they just (laughs) fill in all the blanks. Right. They call it canon? Yes. Or is that the stuff the fans make up afterwards? Mike or DJ Rez, what are you giving this movie out of five ornithopters? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to give this one four ornithopters. Four. Yes. At first, when it ended, I wasn't quite sure how I felt. But now that I've had a few days to think about it, I liked it better than I thought would. How about yourself? How many hornithopters? Well, I liked it better too. I thought it was going to be because they kept showing Zendaya, and I thought it was, you know, going to be some emo kids show. <laughs> Which you know, it's still the newer ones, the you know sequels or whatever the hell they call the next movies coming up could be like that. Sure, there's never say never. Yeah, but I didn't like the lead kid. But I liked uh, Vladimir Harkonnen. <laughs> he was cool. Harkonnen, Harkonnen. Yeah. And then it had a, you know, it had a lot of those, the weird ones with the weird little lipstick on, you know? Yeah. And the bald heads and stuff. Yeah. Those were weird. Dudes. That reminded me of uh, Road Warrior, you know, Mad Max kind of stuff. Yep. I could see that. Or Voldemort. Yes. That too. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still, the original one, I mean, I, you know, it's campy, I get it. You know, kind of like the original Batman, 1966. But if you could combine the two, I didn't hate the new one. I'm giving it 3.5 thopters. Nice. So just to, to, you know, so everybody is aware too, uh, Legendary Entertainment, the, uh, um, movie studio that owns the rights to these films also owns the tv rights so buckle in there'll probably be some streaming tv shows yes look forward to that on your tv do people even have tvs anymore it's all phones it's all phones and tablets now and before you know it you know everyone will have the the microsoft or the uh, apple microchip and then you can just watch tv by looking anywhere you well, want. there's a chip shortage Oh, well, then we're good, then. Powerful. Thank you, DJ Micarez, for that powerful review of The Return of the Living Dead and Dune 2021. Hope you guys had a good time tonight. I know we did. We just ask you one thing. Please tell a friend about our powerful podcast. We are available everywhere fine podcasts are found. And stick around. We have powerful music coming up. Worm Rider. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the amazing pop culture podcast.
you for listening to the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast. The Amazing Pop Culture Podcast is available everywhere fine podcasts are found. Please leave a rating and review where you listen to podcasts. Like and follow the Amazing Pop Culture Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And shop our Amazing Pop Culture merch. This has been an Amazing Pop Culture Podcast production.